It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. And we like our wrestling shaken, not stirred. Um, I am Stephen Platinum, and that, of course, is uh, the man we call Q, Larry Goodman. Larry, Roger Moore died. Roger Moore. I know. I I was was glad you mentioned that because I was going to say mention that too. We lost one of our one of the better James Bonds, in my opinion. Uh, You know, I Roger Moore. You know. Roger Moore, um, my parents, um, who were very different people from one another, yet stayed married uh, 50 years plus. Um, but the biggest fight I can remember them having, having over, anything, over anything silly or superficial was who was the best James Bond. And I thought it was really <laughs> apropos in like looking at how people look at wrestling nowadays because my dad was like, like would just you know just just flatly just go it's Sean Connery like you know like there's no room for debate it's Sean Connery and my mom would go that's what men say she goes women she goes at least this woman likes Roger Moore and you know I'd never heard anybody take up for Roger Moore before and I thought like oh that's that's really interesting that for my mom it was like you know it's sort of like if I would ask my wife who's her favorite wrestler um, and, you know, outside of me, it's going to be like Cena and Roman Reigns. She goes like, yeah, and, and women would say the same. She goes, she goes, you know, like mature, interesting women don't like Dolph Ziggler. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, ha, ha, interesting, interesting. Well, Larry, um, it's been a pretty crazy two weeks in wrestling. I um, I went to Atomic Wrestling Entertainment, and I'll be talking about that show report later. We're hoping to have Martin Stone on, but um, we're not sure that that's going to happen. We certainly hope it does. Um, but, Larry, uh, what did you want to talk about first, Peach State or WrestleMerica? I say let's talk about WrestleMerica uh, first. Um... Oh yeah, let's get in it. What what a strange turn of events. Uh, I you know, go ahead. For for those that don't know, I, I mean, WrestleMania 
and please, you know, fill in any facts and correct me when I'm wrong. So, so this was, this started off originally as kind of like Luke Gallo's wrestling project, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, at one point it, it reminded me in the perks, those perks shows, um, in that it started off really hot, you know, big crowds, sort of like the new kid on the block, very well received, brought in a bunch of names. Luke Gallows obviously used what pull he had in wrestling. And, and again, this is before the Bullet Club showed up or they're not the Bullet Club, but, you know, it's before him and Anderson showed up on WWE television. And, um, you know, it was pretty big deal. And then. It went through a sea change, and we've certainly had people on the show who were part of sort of like the new regime. And then it's gone. What the hell happened? Like, why is it just gone all of a sudden? Yeah, just uh, uh, I hadn't really thought about the purse comparison, but it's an apt comparison in the sense of you had this sort of big deal show in a small town where there's not a lot else going on. So Mm -hmm. they made a big splash there in Barnesville like – the uh, the perks shows did in uh, in uh, Cedartown. So yeah, you had Gallows um, originally as you know there as the top star, and of course it was his deal. He lives in Jackson, Georgia, and then uh, you know when he got signed by WWE, obviously he could no longer be appearing. And the while they were still bringing in um, name people, the cards weren't as spectacular in terms of talent as they had been. And then, lo and behold, we get this uh, announcement of Bulletproof Wrestling with Cody Rhodes coming in as the top star, and uh, at least according to the Sports Illustrated interview he did, as the talent recruiter. And two shows into the run, it's over. They announced they're closing down with the story that they can't say why they're closing down because of legal ramifications. And there's, um, I mean, there's all this scuttle, but I, will, I won't go into that part too much and get us into more trouble than we usually get into, Larry. But, like, uh, you know, there's scuttlebutt about some conflict happened, and that led to somebody complaining up and down in the wrestling world, and that basically gave them attention where they didn't want it. That was one story. Um, I, Larry, I, I guess I'm going to just put you right to the fire. What do you think happened? What do you, what do you so, just suspect really happened? And again, these are just our opinions, um, you know, yeah, blah, so blah, I'll, I'll, but. I'll speculate, and and to yeah. me something something was something smelled funny the night of the last show when they didn't announce any matches, any talent, and more or less announced even the date as an afterthought at the end of the show, which seemed mm. very odd to me. Uh, then uh, I came to find out that they only had one more date on Cody. Well. One would presume then they would have at least announced that Cody was coming back in June and defending the title, but even that wasn't announced. So one thing I think is whatever was going down, they knew that night that that was it for Bulletproof. Mm-hmm. That was already that had already had. I, I think it had already been decided, and you know, I they the only show they really had to deal with, which they did by having Paul Lee take it over. Was that show in, in Locust Grove? <laughs> let me let me say that again. So Paulie is taking over the date that they had, this sort of obligation that they had to fill. So Paulie's taking over right. running the show. Right, right. Paul, that that's now a uh, AWF event, 
and the Jackson Show, for which they did they did not have any they weren't bringing any name talent in for Jackson, which was going to be in um, June, I believe, um, and that so that they just that they just canceled. So what I think happened is that Cody was going to take the role that Gallows had before he signed with WWE as being like the top go-to big-name person and then uh, help with bringing in other name people. And I suspect that, right. you know, his plate his plate got too full with, uh, you know, he's got a lot of irons in the fire, Cody. And, and he sure the does. Idea, the, the, the idea that he'd be coming in once a month on a Saturday night into Georgia – was probably just not viable and maybe even less viable when they when the crowds were just not what they really needed to be to do what they wanted to do. I mean, the gates just weren't there to support the kind of talent they well, wanted to What are we to, talking about as far as gates? In. What are we talking about as far as gates go, Larry? Like, what, what did they draw the last show? Two dollars $2. $2. $2. $2. $2. $2. $2. $2. $2. $2. $2. $2. $2. $2. $2. $2. $2. $2. $2. $2. $2. $2. $2. $2. $2. $2. $2. $2. $2. $2. $2. $2. $
It is one of the – I was talking about this earlier, Larry, how kayfabe is dead. But I go, but, but the funny thing is it's not really dead because, sure, in terms of is it presented as a competitive sport, no. You know, did the guys even bother covering up photos of their vacation trip together, Roman Reigns and Braun Strowman? No. But but people still put on airs and people still put up fronts and people still put up this attitude of like, oh, you know, I got to make money. I mean, I make money when I do this thing and blah, blah, blah. I mean, Chris Nelms, if you're doing a Friday night NCW show, you're not getting paid for that show. Right. But they all pretend like they are getting paid when, I mean, I know the economics of these places. So do you, Larry. It's, and yeah, Wrestle America, I think it just comes down to, it wasn't making money, but for some reason, there's something about that that isn't good enough. They have to paint it as legal things. And it's, by saying something legal, the implication is that Luke Gallows isn't allowed to because he's in the WWE, but clearly they had already addressed that issue years before so yeah i don't know yeah i don't you know i like that wrestle america name i thought was really great for for what they were which is again and uh the only show in town in a town where there's no i mean barnesville is one of those towns that when i'm driving back to florida it always comes up on the sign you know on 75 right <laughs> i see it yeah and i go like and I go, my God, this is way the hell out here. And it's not like they were even close to the exit, apparently. No. Right? It's not like no, you it's, took that it's, it's its own I, place, completely. Like like, like Cedartown. It's like out there in its own little world. Yeah, you know? Cedartown was out there, boy. It was a commitment. I mean, Peach State in, his, in its own way is like that, too, where it is a real commitment to go there. Um, you know, you're driving on, you know, a bunch of miles on that one road to get there. Um, but, yeah, Wrestle America being gone is such a – I mean, it's a that's kind of a big alteration of the landscape because well, even I, though they I, were, you know. Yeah, I feel bad for the guys that – had a good learning Yeah, the Tyson Dean. I, I thought it was with, a yeah. great sort of vehicle for Tyson Dean in particular because with NWA Atlanta folding up like a cheap tent and kind of going out in a weird way that they did, like WrestleMerica was – it felt like a step up for him. And then once they let him started sort of running with the ball, he was their champ. They were kind of making a bigger deal about him and the local guys. Um, and kind of integrating them more seamlessly with the talent they would bring in instead of it just being, here's here's this guy from the outside. He's going to wrestle the local guy, but it's not really going to be competitive. It's just the local guys there to put, which is, which is very indicative of the Perks shows, right? So it's like you would get Awesome Kong, but Awesome Kong was going to wrestle, I believe wrestled Nigel on the show that I saw. And Nigel was just there to get demolished by Awesome Kong. You know, like it was it was less about integrating into a league and more like a typical sort of small town indie exhibition kind of feel. And I say that like that's a bad thing. That's how most promotions are, honestly, where it's just, you know, here's the talent. You're paying to see them. They come in, they go over and so on and so forth. But um, but yeah, do you think well, anything is going to take its place? Is the for- school? No, I mean, well, 
there is the, the rumor that somebody wants to uh, buy it. But again, like we talked about with buying uh, Cornel or Cornelia, what are you buying? Yeah, the WrestleMerica name without Luke Gallows and Cody. I mean, what what are you really buying? So um, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But there there is apparently at least one one party interested. So we shall see. The other thing I was going to say is, you know, the opportunity for these guys to learn learn from Joey Mercury, who was yeah. Uh, what's what's pre- happening with the school? School continues on. This does not affect the um, school in any way. The the the, the bulletproof dojo is still uh, a going concern and is not if not impacted by this uh, the closing of the wrestling. Joey Mercury's still there. Luke Gallows is still behind it, and that that goes forward. Okay. Um, well, so you know, I, Gallows has, the, uh, has that, and he's got the tattoo shop, and obviously he's got his WWE career to contend with, so he's got plenty to do. Yes, and, and anything that stops him going from going back to Suntan Biker Man, we're all happy and grateful for it. <laughs> so, so um, speaking of a show that integrates the outside talent effectively, you were at Peach State where Ricky Morton was there. What did you think of the show? Uh, I, As usual, it was a very interesting show, and as usual, Rick Michaels keeps everybody off balance with the stuff that he does, uh, i.e. having the Legends team lose uh, to the heels. You know, you figure Morton's going to go over, but not in the mind of Rick Michaels. That's not how it was going to go down. So they, I thought they made really actually good use out of Ricky being there to advance their story with Simon Sermon and Ashton Starr, which has just been uh, great fun. Great fun. Yeah, according to according to your report, um, Ashton Starr's act is finally beginning to catch on with that fan, with those fans. Oh yes, yes, they got it. They're, they're they're getting it now. It's 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 working very well. It's really clicking. And he and Simon, I think, have a have a good thing going. When he came down with the giant size picture of Simon. And told uh, Ricky that that was the real legend, not 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 old fart Ricky. That was pretty good stuff. <laughs> so now they head into their big show, uh, their their Survivor Games, with not two, not three, but four teams, four four man teams inside the double uh, the two ring cage uh, next month. So. Um, we'll see. We'll see what comes out of that. As I wrote, I didn't think they. It's you know it's so easy to it's easy to book in hindsight, isn't it? You know to sit there and look at it and say, well, they could have done this, but when you look sure. at the way it came out, it really, they probably would have been better off with them not touching the four teams, not touching, yeah, because they'd already done that. They'd already done the big four team brawl last month, and to do it again was repetitious. But as I said, they really what they wanted to do was take it all outside into the uh, parking lot, but they but the weather was just brutal, so. Um, the best laid plans did not come to pass. I, I, I always find that stuff. I and mean, this is like not an indictment on Peach Days. It's just it, it's just a hilarious thing about wrestling in general. It's like we were gonna brawl in the parking lot, and it was gonna be you know out of control, and the guys were just gonna look like they were gonna just trying to kill each other. But we can't do it now because it's raining and someone might get hurt. Um, so I. <laughs> <laughs> I always love that about wrestling. It's sort of the, it, to me, it's sort of the the nice effect of, I'm going to put you through this announcer's table. All right, I'm trying to kill well, you, 
but I'm going to move the mo- I got to move these monitors. Give me a sec. Um, <laughs> and, 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 and speaking of somebody getting hurt, again, the cops are called. You know, this doesn't happen routinely at other shows, at least not the ones no. I go to. But, no. you know, some lady gets exi- totally accidentally clipped by uh, – a le- by uh, Creed's leg as he's going over the rail. You know that's a long damn leg to be climbing sure. over the ring. And yeah, and some somebody near this person, as as I was told, is saying, "Well, you should call the cops." And she does. And we got the cops knocking on the dressing room door to 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 to, to, do, to interview Creed about about think, what happened. I blame that on three things. One, I blame that on cell phones. Because now, like, it's as easy, you know, the first thing that crosses your mind, you can, you can punch in 911 before saying boo, you know. That's a problem, right? <laughs> and two, I blame just the sort of, of course, the litigious society and all that stuff that, you know, people talk about all the time. But three, I blame all those damn commercials for lawyers that now treat getting hurt like you won the lottery, Right. Yeah. Like, like, oh, so, you know, such and such attorney got me five hundred thousand dollars. Thanks. Like, it's like every accident, everything that happens to you is the potential to make money instead of the money being what it's really supposed to be for. I don't I don't know if most people realize this. What money is for in lawsuits is an attempt to make you whole. If you're not hurt bad enough to require medical attention, take off time off of work. It doesn't matter, folks. Like you're not going to get money to right that wrong because there's no wrong to be righted. Merely getting touched by a wrestler is not enough, even if it is Logan Creed's big ass tree trunk leg. Well, so. I think uh, you know the way Creed put it to the police was that if he wanted to kick this lady, I mean she'd have gone through the damn wall if he was trying to kick somebody. Um, so uh, the, the other thing that occurred to me is. Can you imagine if uh, Atlanta Wrestling Entertainment had the Peach State fans? They'd have been out of business long ago. I mean, they got or they, they would sure, be making sure money. Got, <laughs> they should have gotten sued by now. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, at the the Academy Theater shows, you remember those? I, I mean, yeah. that was half the fun. I mean, we even entertained the idea of. You know, these tickets that we print out and give everybody, we need to put some kind of waiver on the back. Because my, my thing was, fuck it, you know, throw them over the top rope. If you got thrown over the top rope, there was just that, like, ballet bar to protect you. And, I mean. Oh, my God. On. There was no fucking room at all. I mean, it was ridiculous. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, you know, I, I just remember spots like, you know, Jeter ending up in somebody's lap. Uh, Supernatural doing a slice bread number two off of Corey's stomach. I mean, just that was, <laughs> you know, I, me, me like walking on top of the chairs and fans' heads walking to the ring. Like that's, you know, that was part and parcel of the fun of the stuff. And, uh, yeah, you know, but, yeah, I'm sure, again – Oh, and you know what? I'll just say this. This is this will get me in trouble, but that's fun. So, if people think that me and wrestlers never were in the back and went, such and such fan is annoying. <laughs> Definitely throw me. I mean, I'm sure Larry, you'll remember the very early Porterdale shows. I mean, beers used to go flying. 
because like they were right there. They were just they would just sit on those benches on the side that were like two feet away from the ring. And the guys would you know when they would fight out on the floor, screw you. That was part of it. At the um, Atomic Wrestling Entertainment show that I went to, um, two of the guys took it out of the ring. Well, every match was out of the ring. I'll report on that in a bit. Um, and two of them, you know, the ring announcer just came over to him and said, you guys better move. And sure enough, I mean, the guys just dove and like landed and wiped out our seats and knocked down a bunch of people. And, you know, that wild and woolly aspect of wrestling, kind of crazy. I guess that lady, I don't know. I Did anything come of it? The cops certainly didn't. I mean, they probably talked to Logan Cree, but they didn't arrest yeah, him or they, anything, did they? They took a statement. I did hear that she went to the emergency room. I don't have any knowledge of what came out of that but no i don't think any <laughs> i don't think anybody got ar- no anybody got arrested as far as uh, the wrestling end no no she needed to what she needed to do was get some good color off of that kick she just <laughs> <laughs> i can show her how to do it because i just saw i just rewatched the secrets of pro wrestling reveal tape so i can tell her how to do it dr d can slap the shit out of her so um Wow. So Atomic Wrestling Entertainment, I'll talk about that yeah. real fast. So is a show Go in Cocoa Beach, Cocoa Beach, Florida, which is about an hour away from Orlando. And, um, and it's run by a guy named Alex Red. <clears throat> um, this is one of his first shows. He's done like four or five. And uh, that venue in Cocoa Beach, it's like the Cocoa Beach Expo or Auditorium or something like that. It's a great facility. It's really great. Um, there were whoa, 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 I, whoa, whoa, whoa. time out time yeah. out so is this yes this the Alex Red that's was another one of our no-show guests that Alex Red yes okay yeah Go yeah ahead. oh I mean he you know he's as, he's as flaky as a good apple turnover there's no doubt about it he's a young guy who is like a ring announcer for um, Chase and Rant and um, and then now it's kind of like He's he's a young, really energetic guy that doesn't know the first fucking thing about running a show. So the Shocking. the show itself, the f- opening match was they had um, Sin Bodie teaming with Gangrel against two like Florida guys, one of whom's Chico Adams, who I like a lot. The match starts outside of the ring. They just brawl all over. The match goes 20 minutes, and it's just the same stuff again and again and again. And it's the faces basically beating up on the two local guys who win with a roll-up at the end. So the local guys went over, and, 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 and the crowd – but this crowd was into it. Every match was 20 minutes long. Every match went out of the ring. Every match had one of three of the same spots. You know, if I, my kid, they lost her right away. And she was so excited because one of the big matches was, um, there are four women in it. Ga- Gabriella Rio, um, a local girl of little note, uh, Leva Bates, and Rosemary. So my kid is the mm. big Rosemary fan, huge Rosemary fan. Um, in fact, there are great pictures of her. She did the whole Rosemary makeup, and Rosemary just loved her, and it was great. And um, so that match comes up. Now, uh, Wayne Van Dyke, um, who's a wrestler in Florida, young guy too, uh, had a heart attack um, at a show, 
and then died. And I mean, he was an in-shape guy. So it was a complete shock. He's one of these guys that everybody loves. Like, he's just a mm. really nice guy. I've met him before. Just a guy that, you know, he, he was just like, he was one of the boys. But, you know, smart, great guy, died. So they did a 10-bell salute in the beginning where the bell was rung badly, pet peeve. But they did the 10-bell salute, and then in the midst of Leva's match, she's the cosplayer, so she cosplayed Gwen Stacy, <laughs> which anybody who knows Spider-Man comics knows, Gwen Stacy dies. So they did a bit where she died in the ring and then came back to life and then rolled up Gabby for the finish, which was problematic in the sense that <sighs> – guy just died and you're doing a dying spot Mm. and the only person who got the uniformly the whole audience went nuts for them they chanted their name that kind of thing was rosemary she was super Mm. crazy over her table at the thing was easily the busiest um she was the biggest notable star shannon moore was also on the card and he was in the main event because um, they had a problem with their champion, who's Adam Rose, um, isn't wrestling anymore or something. So they had gave the title to the back to the local guy that he won it from, some chicanery. Anyway, it's a show in progress, but I fear that it won't get any better, um, which is part of the reason I didn't write a report. Because everything I see from that camp, from Alex Red and their fans, is always, yeah, screw the critics. You just keep believing in yourself, man. You're doing great. We love the show. But it's not, it doesn't utilize itself very well. All the matches that we watch, because we didn't watch after the women's match, my kid was done. She, in fact, we had to get up and take like two or three walks. And this is a kid that sat through WrestleMania, <laughs> Larry, yeah. you know, and we got to WrestleMania at three. And she was still raring to go at 11. So it's not like, you know, she's yeah. a kid, so she gets tired. She just knows she's just had the misfortune of only seeing good wrestling. It was either PCW, NXT, or WrestleMania. Or we go to the TNA tapings and we just watch like one show and then we hit the park. And so for her, she, it, was, it was great having her there because she would just look at me and she just goes, she goes, I don't know who the, who's the good guy, who's the bad guy. You know, she would just ask these very simple questions that made me go like, you know, she's right. She's like, who am I supposed to root for? And then, you know, they would have some kind of swerve would happen where the tag champs won the match, but then one of them turned on the other and it would leave the crowd really confused. And she would just go, this is such bad. She just, she must've said, this is such bad storytelling a dozen times oh, um, where she just goes, she goes, this is just bad storytelling. Cause she writes and you know, that that's not a reflection of me talking about wrestling. That's honestly her take where she just goes, I don't get what the story is. I don't get who I'm supposed to root for. I'm not having fun. I've never heard her say that about watching wrestling. She'll just stop watching, but she's never said to me, I'm not having fun. And then once the Rosemary match ended, and she loves Leva. I mean, we talked to Leva afterwards, but Leva winning that match, she just goes, did Leva win because she's the one that they're going to get again? And I go, I guess so. But it did seem really weird to not have Rosemary win when she was head and shoulders 
the one that they were going gaga for. Mm-hmm. So, and, and I mean, they had the two local guys who were obviously like Chase and Rant students, kind of like were molded in sort of the Lucha style. So they did just a good, solid wrestling match for the second one. But the crowd completely wasn't into it because they just watched 20 minutes of guys beating each other up. Right. All over right. the building. And, uh, and so I just thought, like, there's nothing wrong. And please, promoters, bookers, listen to this. There is nothing wrong with make, giving yourself a foundation of show fundamentals. Have an opening match that establishes the tenor of what you want to set for the card, which is that's your, that's your kind of the world, your rules of your world. We're going to show you a, a good, solid wrestling match without a lot of craziness because we want the show to have somewhere to go. Right. You just establish yourself and establish that the referee is a force that matters and that his word means something. Establish all of that in the first match. Then you can go buck wild and for goodness sakes, allow people to get into your show. What, I don't know where this thing comes from of like, Oh, we're going to put, I mean, you're going to put Gangrel and Sin Bodhi out there first thing for no reason, except to do it have them do their whole thing. I mean, they're pros, but then to have them job kind of out of nowhere. I mean, it, again, all these emotional reactions matter. And what I get afraid of is, is wrestling fans have become such brand loyalists where it's just like, you can't say anything bad about this league. Cause it's my league. Um, those are the voices that honestly you shouldn't listen to the voices you should listen to are the one. Cause I mean, they had a crowd of a legit 200, which is probably mm-hmm. the biggest crowd they've had. Um, and that's good. I mean, they're selling tickets for 15 bucks, general admission, 25 bucks for the first row. Yeah, and not bad. Um, not bad. But uh, I don't suspect they made money with all those people that were on the card. Maybe they did. Uh, I don't know about that. But, again, they don't want 200. They want three or four. And you can fit them in that building. And you're not going to get to three or four by doing a wrestling show that exhausts the very people who are, I mean, I love going to a show I have no responsibility for. And Elena loves the live experience of wrestling. And if you're wearing her out, like, I don't know what to tell you. That's a failure. In well, my that's, eyes. That's, that's such an old fashioned view of the opening match, you know? Now, I think it's valid, <laughs> but it's, a, it's an old-fashioned view of what the opening match is supposed to do. Yeah, I, I mean, that was one of the things I really liked about WrestleMania, actually, is that that even though it wasn't the official opening match, the they did the cruiserweight match of Austin Aries, <clears throat> you know, against uh, Red Arrow Man. And it was just a solid, good match. They weren't trying to steal the show, but they were trying to establish here's, here's indicative of what you're going to see tonight. And of course they, you know, they didn't get huge flashy entrances. They didn't go to the floor. You know, they just did their match. And again, basic good storytelling. It's okay to establish stuff. Even though I'm trying to think of a, like the wildest, craziest movie that was still very well received. Mad Max Fury Road. That movie feels 
like it just hits the gas and never stops. But honestly, it follows the conventions of solid movie making and storytelling. It just ramps the, the big stuff up so much that it feels like it's doing it constantly. But no, they establish stuff in the beginning. They establish who Tim, Tom Hardy's character is, albeit briefly, but they do it. And then once it gets going, it gets going. Indiana Jones, they take a little bit of time to let you know who he is before the big ball comes rolling after him. And there's something to that in the human psyche, I believe, where you have to take your time and establish something before you, the, the roller coaster has to go up before it plunges down. And, and taking that time to go up is not weakness. It's the strength. It's anticipation. It's all the stuff that's going to pay off if you do it right. You know, that so. the Peach State show uh, Saturday Night it was a good example of that. And, and, you know, they did this simple nothing opening match with Billy Buck going over this guy um, and, you know, getting the big baby face pop and, and, and looking real strong. Um, nothing to it, but, of course, what it set up is the end of the evening where Buck pulls the mask off and he's with the heels. So, yeah, um, yeah you know, I read all, that in the was, report. You, I loved it. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. nicely done to put that on first and, and really plant that in the people's mind. Is that, oh, this is our this is our new top one of our new top baby faces here. This is great. And then he screws him in the end. So it, you know that that was a nice piece of work. I thought. Um, you know, this is yeah. like a good segue into the um, mm-hmm. Rip Rogers uh, post that came last week. Um, <laughs> Please, Larry. Um, I, I imagine. Those, I'm imagine sure... Many listeners have already read this thing and are aware of the shitstorm that occurred, and I, I guess it was a, a, a retweet by Rip Rogers. It wasn't actually his his actual um, original work, but um, shall I read it? Oh, please do. Um, a, a dramatic reading of Dive by Larry – oh, by Lawrence Goodman. Yeah. Every indie match now, handshake, drawn-out move exchange. This is awesome, Chant. Strike exchange. Dive. No cell indie strong style. Dive. More strikes. No cells. Dive. Flippy floppy sequence. Dive. Hit everyone with each other's finisher. Then Humpty Dumpty, we all fall down. Fight forever, Chant. Rinse and repeat until every move is useless and means nothing. Dive. Take unsafe shot that looks like shit and hurts like hell. Then roll up finish. Handshake and hug after match. Everyone's hand raised. All these guys chant. Go home and type on social media thanking your opponents and company for the match and telling others they should book these guys. Dive. (laughs) And, you know, Randy Orton picked up on that, and then that became a thing where he he mocked that, um, saying that that's why, you know, guys that don't make money, that's what they do. But he makes all this money, and SmackDown outdrew Raw by $5 million in Dubai, and and uh, people got mad about that. And then Randy, and led to Randy Orton and Bubba Ray Dudley getting into it, Bubba Ray putting a picture of himself doing a dive, and Randy Orton sort of mocking that as an old fat guy falling down is not a dive, and so on and so forth, and everybody expressed their opinions, and then Randy Orton loses to Jinder Mahal, and it's funny, and and um, Larry, I, I, here's, a, here's what I was going to ask Martin Stone, 
here's the question I was going to ask Martin Stone. And I go, I, I think the party line is, of course, that's exaggerated. And of course, times have changed. And I think everybody's common ground that they would agree on that some kind of storytelling needs to happen. In the old school, they would say that they read the crowd and they told the story accordingly. And younger guys would say psychology has changed slightly where hardcore wrestling fans expect that kind of match. That's the, that, the, you know, the fighting spirit story, that, which has been mm-hmm. kind of cribbed from Japan, is the story that fans most like to do and the boys most like to express. And haven't we seen a changing of the guard where now, quote unquote, indie guys it is the style of WWE, so doesn't it behoove you to practice that at a lower level? And these guys are working so hard, do, and who's Randy Orton to say since he got into the business, you know, through his family name, and he's never really had to early earn that kind of thing, and blah, blah, blah. And I think all of it's true. Um, what, what's your take on it, Larry, that's something that you think is a little off of the beaten path from the stuff that you've read and heard? That's sort of like typical response stuff like I just talked about. Well, I don't think there's – I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with that match that, they, that was described in that, in that post. My issue is when most of the matches are on the card follow that formula. Yes. Um, because that, that, I mean, th- that type, of, that match done well is fantastic, but um, variety is is more is more my th- my thing. And with, when there's not variety, it's just not as much fun. It's just not as interesting. Yeah, I'm. I would seem I'm on the variety camp too. One thing I think is like when you have these kind of crappier wrestling shows with these kind of like fat veteran guys at the indie level. You know, they do what by all accounts, honestly, would be an awful match, but that audience eats it up. And that would be the defense. Yeah, but that audience loved it, so it's good. I don't know. I'm kind of with the younger guys on that one where I just go, yeah, but it's shit. Like, it, <laughs> like isn't there a happy medium between – and let's not give old guys too much credit. Most of them – no one of two stories. And I mean, Mr. Hughes was famous for the fact that he would literally teach you one match, the him hide the chain match. Like, and that's the match that you had to do with Hughes when you would do an indie. I mean, how is that different than dot, 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 dive? It's not. Um, And I would also say dot, 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 dive. The problem with that match too is that's, a match that's like a blow off style of match. Mm-hmm. So if the two guys have earned that, that, maybe that's part of the problem is the way the Indies are structured. Now there's, I'll just be honest. There's three or four leagues that tell stories and angles and programs and the rest are sort of cobbled together, booked on a dry erase board. Right. If we're being honest. And so for the, I can understand two indie guys going, I have to create a story from scratch. I'm not getting a program. It's it's like I'm Leo, I'm Leo rush and I'm wrestling whomever chase Owens. Right. We're going to meet once in this indie in the middle of nowhere. So screw you. We're going to do the match that we want to do. And the match they want to do is, that they saw from Japan that got five stars. They want to do New Japan. They want to do Ring of Honor. 
because that's where they're trying to get. And I can see it. I can see it. The other thing I would say about it is who's the guys doing the match? Because what, what bugs me is when guys who really don't have the skill level to do that match go out and do it anyway and do it poorly. Um, you know, I think about uh, the the match uh, Trevor Lee and Chip Day had at, at uh, CWF. Mm-hmm. Or uh, that the mind, that incredible match, uh, um, NXT TakeOver um, with yes. Bate and uh, Dunn. I mean, they did a lot of stuff, but they combined all these elements, and they did it all so skillfully that it was just mm-hmm. in, in, incredible. Um, so that's that's a lot of it for me. Some guys can you know have the ability to do that match, and some guys don't. And when they don't, and they're still doing that match, it's not very much fun to watch. No, and again, there's something to if you're really putting your own flavor into a match, it's really hard to wrestle that kind of Mad Lib match. You know, it's I, I, you know for my last match against Shane Marks. We could have, I mean, we could have, like, stumbled our way through that. Well, I would have had to stumble my way through that kind of match. And Shane Marks certainly would not have. Um, but why? Because if the story is, there's no way on God's green earth I should beat Shane Marks. Right? That was my mentality. It's like, I shouldn't beat him. What would it take for me to even have a chance to beat him? And then the story just sort of told itself accordingly. And then, you know, for me fulfilling my promise of I'll do anything to win, including lighting my arm on fire and hitting you with it. I'll do, I'll do anything to win. And if you can survive all that, you deserve to win. And then he did. Um, you know, I, again, like the dive thing, it shows the f- fundamental schism, I think, between wrestling fans, wrestlers, and traditional wrestling, where they're always at odds like that's the that's the only part that i would say bothered me is why you know some people painted it as well randy orton's just trying to drop knowledge on young guys it certainly didn't come across that way Mm -hmm. (laughs) i mean it really does it really did come across as you guys are so dumb i'm smart but I mean, if, if, we're, if we're applying the lens of the truth to everybody involved, they're all a little bit right, and they're all a lot of it wrong, right? Does, does Randy Orton draw $5 million more than Raw? Of course not. You could put anybody in that spot, and they're drawing the same. That's the truth. Um, somebody said it best. I think it was, oh, God, this is going to make you sick to your stomach. Eric Bischoff said it best where he said, let's be honest, for Randy Orton, it's not about getting a job or being a draw. It's about just staying on the bike. It's just, it's just staying on the stationary bicycle. That's what it yeah. is to be a star in the WWE now, is you're just riding the stationary bicycle and keeping the machine going. And yeah. there's truth to that. And, um, yeah, I, but I do love that there's a debate. I do love that. You know, it was actually nice to see young guys kind of get fired up about it. Now, I think that they're whining bitches. Sure. I think, you know, that they don't take it to heart or realize if it doesn't apply to you, why are you mad? And if it does apply to you, maybe you can get something from that about, you know what? I can tell a story. Because, I mean, Chip Day, who I think his, I, I saw him commenting all over the place, kind of defending and being mad about it. But 
he's he's the very guy who should just go look here's my match with trevor lee it kind of follows this pattern in a sense but isn't it good and i think it's undeniable that that is a great match um yeah that that's the way to really make your argument is to go well guess what look at me you know guess what i can do it better and to realize you know if you're doing the same match as everybody else that doesn't help you. <laughs> You're better off. You got to still show your special in this day and age and anything you can do to do that. And it doesn't take a whole lot. You just have to be a little bit better at certain aspects of things and you can stand out. I still believe that. Or look at the matches that Drew Adler did with Donovan Dijak on those Wrestle America shows. So whatever, you know, if Wrestle America's dead, man, they, they did give us some great matches down there. And those were just absolutely tremendous uh, matches. Um, I'm. Uh, Do you think those uh, uh, real quick, Larry? Did those, those like yeah. the Drew Outler matches at WrestleMerica? Now, WrestleMerica to me is much more the kind of crowd. I'm just in my head. I just think of them as the crowd that's, you know, there to see names and there to. They would be very happy with, uh, you know, an old school Southern like what I consider like a bullshit match, like the kind of thing you would have seen on the Ted Allen, you know, Ted Allen memorial shows for most of them. That kind of like chicanery kind of stuff. Did they go for the Drew Outler stuff? They they went nuts for it. Well, one, two things about that. One is that the first show he had yeah. a whole different crowd because he had the Havoc Jimmy Havoc match. But it was the way the show was constructed that mm-hmm. that was the only match that was given that much time where they did all the back and forth in your falls and they built it over 20 minutes so well. So the, the people absolutely went nuts for it. You had to. It was that compelling and that different from everything else on the show. Yeah. So um, that, that made a huge difference. You didn't have five matches trying to do that on the show. So that was... Um, yeah, that's what I say about that. Hey, you know, um, it's kind of a shame that we didn't have Martin Stone. Well, it's it's definitely a shame we didn't have Martin Stone on here because can you think of a time when British wrestling has been in higher esteem in the United States than right about now? Boy, sure stole it on that NXT show, didn't it? Holy moly. Holy moly. Uh, um, Yeah, so hopefully we can still get him on and (laughs) <laughs> our, our curse of guests, no showing and missing for whatever reasons, will will be broken at some point here in the near future. Um, wanted to touch on this the last time we were on and didn't never got around to it. The Billy Corgan yeah. purchase of the NWA from Bruce Starr. Let's um, let's talk about that. So, um, what are your thoughts about Billy Corgan purchasing the NWA? I'm just I'm dying to know what he plans to do with it that's going to make a difference. And does he get anything out of purchasing the NWA that he wouldn't have gotten just by starting another promotion by another name? Now, I do understand one of the things that's changed about that deal that does make a difference is he did get the NWA on-demand service and the rights to monetize the Houston Tape Library. So without that included, I really couldn't understand it. With that included, okay, yeah, I can see that that's that's something. Um, but I really just would love to get to to know in his head what what does he think he can do with this? Um, I would imagine that and, and I mean this this is me wishful thinking. 
probably not in the way that you think I'm going to say. I'm hoping that this is really about Billy Corgan being a, a lot a bit mad at TNA and trying to think of the cat's paw that he can use to immediately strike at them. And I would guess if he had this, he, he started things kind of from scratch before, and I think he realizes what a yeoman's task that is. So even just getting the credibility, and to his credit, he hasn't done a whole rash of announcements. I no. think that's the smartest thing that he's done so far. Think about yeah. Global Force, all the bogus noise that they made. Right. And right, all that right. nonsense. And it amounted to nothing. Oh, well, except now they dominate programming. God help us all. Um, but, but, you know, which strangely has, they've done okay in the ratings. But, yeah, with Corrigan, I think the smartest thing he's doing is, I bought this thing. Uh, Bruce Tharp is not a, no longer the guy that's constantly talking, which has got to be a plus. Hate Bruce Tharp. And then... um hopefully he can make a series of moves that are smart and build. I don't think that thing has a chance if it doesn't slowly build. I think if they try to make big splashy moves, they are doomed. Um, the one thing about having the NWA that I think is a huge negative is Corgan may feel beholden to things that will inevitably make it not work. Like there's a tradition, a quote unquote tradition there that if he feels too obligated to maintain, I think they're doomed. <laughs> but if he, well, yeah. <laughs> if he feels the instinct, because, because I mean, what are we talking about? How many fans are we talking about that go to quote unquote NWA shows because it's the NWA, whatever that means. I would imagine not many, but yet I still think that they're the vocal ones who will bitch and moan. If you can weather the bitching and moaning and actually make put out a good product that has some kind of television or mass media appeal, um, then you've got a chance. Yeah, because, I mean, right now you've got a bunch of small-time promotions that in general don't draw much. Probably NWA Smoky Mountain and whatever's going on in Texas are the two most notable of them. Um, they've never been able to make the, tra the traveling champion idea work because, um, you know, so many of the promoters don't have the money to bring in the champions. Yeah. Um, so it's that, yeah, that, that model is no, there's no point in going down that road again. I wonder, you know, I my first thought was, wouldn't that be a kick in the ass if they got NWA Anarchy back on board? I had that thought too. <laughs> wouldn't that be That would be interesting. Certainly I'll say this, uh, Corgan's done something that I thought impossible which is people seem universally at least optimistic about him buying. No, I don't think that I've ever read one single thing where someone went, this is absolutely horrible. I think if, if anything else, it's at worst, it's a change at best. It's a giant step up potentially for the NWA. So we shall see what we shall see. What are, are there NWA promotions in Georgia still? NWA Atlanta's the, gone. No, there is there is the one uh, Syndicate Wrestling Promotions, which is now um, changed its um, well. It, it's now NWA Georgia. It's now Syndicate Wrestling Promotions doing business. I'm not phrasing this exactly correctly, but basically, it's NWA Georgia is now Syndicate Wrestling Promotions, and they're running in July and bringing in 
Rob Terry on top of the card. Rob! Rob Terry, uh, Jason Kincaid, is coming to wrestle Stunt Marshall. And um, there's one other outside, oh, uh, Cahagas or whatever, however you pronounce it, is coming in for that show. So they've got a show in Columbus on July 15th. They're the um, the main uh, NWA promotion. There's also NWA Southeastern, I think it's called, down in, way down in south in Georgia. Um, so we do have some NWA representation still left in the state for what it's worth. <laughs> I would have lost that bet. Before we go, a couple of uh, local notes here. Southern Fried Championship Wrestling is going to take a shot at running on a weeknight. I saw that Thursday, Thursday, yes. Yeah, they're going to run on a Thursday (laughs) and then come back two nights later uh, also at the uh, Noel Rec. Now, to me, I like the idea of running on a Thursday. I like the idea of a wrestling show to start the weekend early. But I would wonder about that one. Maybe it ought to be a bar show instead of in the same building they were going to run Saturday night. Um, yeah. I don't know. Um, Thursday night feels like a bar I, night show. If, again, and I mean, this is a Southern Fried thing. I think if they stick to it and try give it the old college try, that doesn't mean one show. The show is not going to be a success the first time out. It's just not. You know, they're going to have to paint it as a success. I get that. But it's not going to be. They're going to have to run that thing consistently enough that they can garner an audience base for it. If it's going to be the kind of thing where they go into a town a couple times and try it, it's not going to work. (laughs) I mean, I'll just say that it's not going to work unless they do it all the time. And, I mean, are they risking burnout doing two shows in three days? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think they are. I'm not sure it's the most well thought out thing. Then again, they probably got some money breaks on the Thursday night and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, there's pr- definitely advantages if they just get to keep the ring up and get to keep everything in place. I could definitely mm-hmm. see yeah. the advantage of that as well, most certainly. So, yeah, we'll see. And, you know, they're they're doing it right. And Charles kind of put the call out <laughs> looking for, like, young talent, like guys that are looking to prove themselves who are trained. And uh, that could be great um, for uh, is our Todd is Todd running those shows as well? I don't know that. I assume that, but I but I don't know. I mean, it's a it's a good opportunity, you know. And they can try out in, in similar in the way that APW sort of fed guys to Anarchy and Wildside. I you know that could that could be a great system for them as well if they will continue to run it in the long term. I don't know how financially viable it'd be. I imagine it'll be kind of a lost leader, if anything. But we'll have to see. Yeah. Also, uh, AWE returns to action at the Southern Fried Game Room Expo. Two nights. They're doing their um, tag team tournament. Uh, and back-to-back nights, uh, June 9 and 10, the teams have been announced for the tournament as follows. Uh, Lacey Twins the infamous Heisenberg brothers of Atlanta underground wrestling fame and uh, submission squad, the besties of in the world. That's Davey Vega and Matt Fitchett, dark city fight club, the Kraken, the Carnies, <clears throat> Slade Porter and Adrian armor, ugly ducklings are in the field. Uh, Jim nasty boys. Roscoe eats Lisa uh, is coming in spring street suicide squad and indie card mafia and then on night two, when they do the semis and the finals, they also have uh, Sue Young versus Priscilla Kelly. 
Oh, cool. God, I wish I could book that program. Yeah. It's going to be great. Yeah. Sue Young is red hot right now, and obviously Priscilla Kelly as well. So that's right. really great. Um, if you haven't seen it yet, Larry, the I Quit match with uh, Bill the Butcher and the Carpenter. Wow. Oh, yeah? Uh, Car- yeah. Carpenter taking that shot at the end. Um, so Bill the Butcher has the barbed wire, you know, it's the Carpenter's baseball bat, but like covered in barbed wire. And you think that Carpenter is just going to say, I quit and not take the hit. He takes the hit (laughs) and Bill the Butcher has to get on his back and basically choke him with the barbed wire bat to get him to say, I quit. So uh, kind of a rare moment where the Carpenter who, you know, is kind of a slippery slippery sort of fella actually kind of went to the mat and like went toe to toe came out on the losing end but I thought it was I mean it's not often you're going to shock me especially with a PCW thing but I I, I, I literally didn't know anything about it because I wanted to just watch it and enjoy it and I mean when that spot happened I definitely oh my god he took it and you know the crowd sort of responded accordingly so Bill the Butcher is clearly uh, made as a guy, but Carpenter taking that hit, I was like, <laughs> jumping Jesus, you know? <laughs> insane. So is that, so, is that uh, up on the uh, PCW Facebook page? Yes, I believe it is, yeah. And cool. uh, a match went up today, um, Hankins dug into the archives, sort of going like, you know, look at this great stuff PCW's done in the past. So the uh, a tag match from Sacred Ground 4 is up there when Bela Vega teamed with Adam Pierce against the big F and deal. And uh, I just remember loving that match. It's to me when Vega really showed that he was on par with anybody as par, as far as working in a ring and just kind of working his grown ass man thing. And uh, I remember Adam Pearson like trying not to laugh throughout that match of just like, Oh my God, he's great at this, you know, like, Holy crap. This little thin Puerto Rican kid is amazing. And, uh, so that's always a, a delight to watch as well, those matches. So, Well, folks, uh, tune in Thursday night for Peach State Pandemonium. They're back on a regular basis after their hiatus. And uh, we will return two weeks from tonight. Maybe we'll even have a guest. You never know. Yes, we'll do our level best. I'll see, I'll see what I can do on my end. I have a feeling I can get somebody. Um, yeah. But uh, for Larry Goodman, I am Stephen Platinum. Um, we'll see you in two weeks for the tipping point. And we got one last thing to say to you, and that is, of course, dive. We thank you for listening to this broadcast, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network. Stay tuned to GeorgiaWrestlingHistory.com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. 
In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.